Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, friends. So we, anytime we have missions friends come in from other countries, we always delight and have them come and share with us. But what if the people who are our missions partners are with us every week? So we wanted to give Mikey a chance to share with what he and Katie do with back-to-back ministries. And so we can just, you know, check in on them. Give us a little update, Mikey. Thank you. That's good. Hi, everybody. Like Kelly said, my name's Mikey. My wife is back there, Katie. I think there's a photo of us coming at some point. Um, And then we have two littles with us. That's Brandon and Faye. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. So we work for Back to Back Ministries. For those who don't know, Back to Back is a global orphan care nonprofit. We exist to be a voice for orphan and vulnerable children by meeting their spiritual, physical, educational, emotional, and social needs. We do that through children's homes, through, um, through engaging in foster care, through empowering local families, whether it's here in the States or abroad, in Mexico, Nigeria, India, or Haiti, or the DR. Um, and just empowering families or engaging community, stuff like that. That's more or less back-to-back in a nutshell. Um, Katie and I actually met at Back-to-Back before she worked at Back-to-Back Cincinnati, which is our site here in Cincinnati working locally with kids. She worked in the corporate office. She was part of the team that hired me. Um, She knew all of my doctrinal questionnaire stuff that I had to fill out before we ever met, so there was always a little bit of the first couple dates. She was like, I don't know what to ask you because I know everything about you. Um, Not everything, but you know. Um, So we met while I was raising support, and then we started dating once I started working there, got married within a year, and now we raise support together with Back to Back. I work in the corporate office as our videographer, um, so I get to tell the stories of what God is doing through Back to Back. Um, Katie works at Back to Back Cincinnati, like I said. She just recently got a promotion. She's now the site operations manager. Um, That means basically she helps hold the site together, make sure it doesn't fall apart. She has a staff team of three that report to her, and they do a couple things, managing the building, grants, interns, budget. She also works with kids a couple days a week and just kind of does a lot of it. Um, And then I work in the marketing office, so I do our videos. I also do our emails, our website. Um, I get to go down to our sites and capture what God is doing. This December, I'm actually going to be going to Nigeria um, with a local artist in Cincinnati. He's been in partnering with Back to Back Cincinnati and doing art engagement with the kids and showing them that anybody can be an artist and helping them to process trauma through art or find healing through art or just find like something that they're good at and show them that, hey, you can do art. So I'm going to go with him to Nigeria, and he's going to get to work with some of the kids that we partner with there and get to show them how cool art can be. Um, And I also, uh, this uh, video link up here, it's eye contact video. One of the things that I love that I get to do is we have a a wing of our our organization that does trauma-competent care training, which is... um, It's basically just teaching people how to engage with kids who have experienced trauma and how to help bring healing, and I get to do a lot of training videos for that, whether I'm on camera talking or whether I'm doing animations. Um, If you want to see any of those videos, you can ask me, and you can sign up for our newsletter. I send those out um, quarterly. And then the last update is less ministry-related but family-related. We have 
Brandon, had Brandon and Faye in our care through foster care for the last two and a half years, and as of the end of this summer, it has officially become not a foster care case anymore, but is now an adoptive case. Um, it doesn't necessarily have like a timeline on it yet of when that will happen, but it is now a when that they will be part of our family and no longer an if. Um, so we are living in the bittersweet tension of that, but also celebrating that we get to be a family through that. So that is more or less my update, but uh, we're very thankful that Echo has been supporting us and been our church family, and we love you guys. Can we pray for you guys? Sure. God, we thank you so much for Mikey and Katie and Brandon and Faye. We're so thankful that you've built them together as a family and that they get to be part of our church family. And Lord, we just lift them up, give them strength, on the long days and tired days without sleep and with all that they're doing with Mikey's travels to Nigeria and all the work and creativity and imagination and connections that they put in with children around the world and here in our neighborhood. We just ask that you would give them strength for the ministry and give them joy for serving in your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we lift up the Evans family today. Amen. Thank you. Well, I am excited that Mikey got to share pieces of what they do because sometimes we, we get to see one another weekly and just to get to know each other's stories a little deeper as a church family. And Mikey and Katie are not the only ones here in our congregation who care for those who are vulnerable. And I am grateful that so many of us here care about foster care, whether you've been in the past or active or or training for the future. So many people here have adopted kids or you work in caring fields like social work, like development in people's lives, adults, children across the range where you're helping connect people who may be vulnerable, who may feel isolated and you are connecting them with community. And that is what our scripture is about today. We're gonna look at a church who felt disconnected, who actually went through some trauma. And so that is why I'm super thankful. We had already been talking. This is the way God works. We had already been talking about Mikey sharing today and then looking into scripture and realizing how well all these stories fit together. So we're going to be in 1 John today, chapter 3. But as before we get there, I want to remind us we're in our Hope and Light series, and we followed this up. We spent a year in the life of Jesus in the book of Luke, and we followed it up with looking at 1 Peter and now 1 John to say, what did the people who spent day after day with Jesus, learning directly from him, how did they live it out? How did they pass that message on to future people, to other churches, to help other Christians grow? And so we're getting an idea from John. Now this is a letter. It once was a letter written directly to a church. Would have been read aloud all at once to the church family. And we're just looking at some themes that he's been going through. Because John took this time to say he saw that this was a church in pain. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And so his approach was to just kind of come along around, very pastoral, like a big hug. This letter was a hug to say, hey, let's remember what you believe. Let's, let's just build on that. And then let's remember how to live it out. 
So we said those words were orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And John was just coming around to be like, hey, just remember together what the truth is. And then that guides our lives. So the themes that we have seen him come back around to, because, you know, when you have a conversation with a friend or you're just going through life, it's nice to have reminders, right? You kind of circle back to themes, like don't forget this, don't forget that. And so John has been circling around these themes. God is light, so live in the light. He says, God is righteous, so let's just do what's right. And Jesus is our model for that. And then last week, when we had all the kids together, we talked about Jesus loves us, so we love one another. Now, we talked about how that love was reciprocal. Love one another is giving and receiving. And we do so, John calls us a family. So that's what we're going to look at today is the family of God. And that's the theme that he's looking into. But before we dive in, like I said, let's, let's see what the church is going through so we can have a framework for why John is writing these words. So when Mikey described back to back, he said, These children are in hard places, and they've gone through trauma, and so back-to-back is trying to put them in safe, secure spaces. But when you instantly move, even from danger to safety, that doesn't just instantly change everything. It's a journey, and I'm sure a lot of us understand that here, that it takes repetition and reminders that this is your identity. You are loved and you are safe here to grow. And so this is the way John is speaking. He's speaking in some trauma-competent language here. He's writing to a church that experienced group trauma. So what historians have pieced together by looking at the whole of the letter of John, there's these conversations and context clues that basically they were a church family, And some people within that community who once were family began to disparage other people in that group. They began to, you know, maybe maybe talk to one another and say, I don't know this Jesus stuff is real. I don't know if what we've been worshiping is really true at all. But instead of grappling with their own doubts or faith, and we all have those, it's that's okay they kind of turned inward and anger came out. And they begin to harm one another because they no longer saw eye to eye. And so then they tried to disparage their fellow believers and that caused a split. It says in 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So if you think about what we said, that church in this time began and often grew within people's homes. And some who gathered in the same room together just broke apart. They're like, I don't want to be a part of you all anymore. Can you feel that pain? Can you imagine? And maybe you experienced someone saying that to you, someone who's close to you who no longer wants to be a part of your life anymore, that's pain. That's church trauma here because there's a group who just left. And imagine the emptiness that those who remained felt. They probably started to question everything. 
So John, let's look at his words. His words are trying to help them step forward into spiritual, emotional, relational healing. And he knows it's not going to be quick or easy, but he's stepping them into that process. So let's look in 1 John chapter 3 and hear these words of love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. When you are in pain, you question things. You probably question everything. The first question is why, but the next question might just be, what does this look like anymore? Who am I? And so John is reminding them of their identity. He's like, he's like I don't know what your friends, former friends said to you, but you are chosen. And this language that he uses is like this concept of adoption, that God specifically chose you, and you get to choose in return him as your father. He's like, he doesn't force this on you. You get to choose in return. Now imagine many people who are hearing this letter read to them. How did that make them feel in this moment? Former church members had been saying lies to them, making them question their purpose, And John gently reminds that he lavished his love upon you. What a a visual word. So their adoption, though, as he reminds them, it doesn't, doesn't fix everything automatically. But John was helping them take another step towards safety and security here in this church family. John offered words now. He's like, let's, 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 sit here together now and let's think about the future. We have a future. We have a purpose. And I love how there's a Bible professor named Peter Ray Jones. He said that John was just setting hope out on the horizon. Because when you have a destination in mind, that determines what you're becoming and where you're going. So John is just giving them a beautiful picture like, you can walk toward this. I know you can together. Let's look at verse 11. John hits the pain head on here. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Very positive. But then, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know no murderer has eternal life residing in them. It's really, it's really some harsh language here. John is just bringing up murder. Like, that's, that's, that's a lot. Okay, you jumped from some things here, John. Now, Philo, who is a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher who lived during this time, he had written his history and interpretation of of what we call the Old Testament, the Torah. And when he wrote about Cain and Abel, he said Cain and what we consider as this 
this hate that he had for his brother, that it just began with love of self, and that that developed into his action, whereas Abel was representing love of God. And so John here, following in those, that concept, is trying to say, like, I know you all have experienced some hate up close. And it feels like a death. It feels like a death in your relationships. It feels like a death to part of who you are. And it's hard to rebuild from that. But he was trying to say that you still have true brothers and sisters surrounding you. So he's trying to get them to step into that love, into that community. And maybe, hearing those words, maybe the people in this church were like, ah, thank you for putting into a visual what it feels like. Thanks for putting those words in the destructive nature and what that feels like to me. But he doesn't leave it there. Verse 16, he goes on to say, this is how we know what love is. So he's like, this was a picture of hate. Here's a picture of love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. So he's building all that up to that last verse there, that action and in truth. He was like, well, Cain and Abel were brothers, but what was his action? And so he's like, Jesus had the redeeming action. He loved so much that he sacrificed for others. So this former church, church members who had claimed to be like family, they, weren't, they didn't live it out in their actions. And I know so many people, and you might have had this experience in your life, where someone speaks beautiful words to you, but they don't live it out, and they betray you. And, and you try to trust them again because the words sound so right. Yet if they don't follow it up with actions, it's insincere. So John says, we can say that all, all of you who are left are family and that you love one another, but you have to live it out. That's what shows the truth. The truth comes out in our actions. Now, notice that those, that verse about Cain came right after loving one another. And so as I was reading this week, it was a reminder to be like, sometimes love for one another is holding each other accountable. What did no one hold Cain accountable? Did he show any signs that he had this, this anger, this self-involvement that turned and grew deeper into hate? If we can be together as a family, part of that is loving one another enough to say, there's something different. You don't seem like yourself. And if we can, we can ask one another this very honestly, reciprocal love, asking each other, being willing to be asked, then maybe we can stop before a spiral begins because we're in a trusted relationship. And sometimes it's hard to see in ourselves. Sometimes other people notice first. And that's, that's challenging. But let us not love with words or speech, but in action and in truth, even when it's challenging. 
But we don't just speak truth and walk away. That's not a relationship. If you see someone and you're wondering if they're going through a thing and you, and you have the courage to speak it out loud and ask them about it, then you walk with them simultaneously. You don't abandon them. If they are struggling and you want the best for them, then you stay beside them. And you might think, well, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to say, or I feel awkward myself. You know what? It is worth going through awkwardness to be present in someone's life, to bring the love of Jesus into someone's life and stay with them. And you may not always have words, and they may not need words. They may just need your presence. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth, even when it's awkward. But they, you know what? The loving actions that were spoken of in verse 17, John says, well, if you see a brother or sister in need, help them. If you see. That's the first step. You have to look around. We're not going to see if we're not looking. And so sometimes the greatest act of love we can do is to stop looking here and look up. And look out and see someone's needs. Then we can go be present. We can go help. We can take action once we see. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John, he circles back to these conversations throughout his letter. And what we see is chapter 5, just a little bit later, later in his letter. And John says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So God's act of calling us children, it also comes with expectations. And so he's not meaning them to stifle us, but to give us safe boundaries to keep growing. And if we look at the life of Jesus as our model that John keeps telling us that we spent time learning from, Jesus says, I am God, I'm living it out. This is what it looks like. And if we follow after him, he's like, here, God has a lot of things, but they're summarized in two ways. Someone asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So when Jesus modeled, and when Jesus says, these are the, the ways to live, this is how to live out God's love in the world, and the things he said, this is good for you, it's because it honors the dignity of us, and of other people made in God's image. And the things that he said, these are not great for you. It's because they dishonor us and others made in God's image. 
So God's commands, John says they're not burdensome because he's like, they're meant for all of us to be better. That's why they're there. And he just says, we can grow and overcome our pain. We can have victory even in our brokenness when we have faith in Jesus. And that step toward believing, he encourages them to believe the truth. And that's what we're going to look at next week as our final piece of this series. Now John's letter today, that reminder of God's lavish love is just It's just a glimpse of his role as a parent. God says, I choose you, and I hope we say yes in return. And when you parent someone, the ideal is to provide identification as part of a family, to provide safety, guidance, space to flourish and grow. You want the kids here at church and in your life, you see them and you want them to be the amazing people that you already can see in them, right? That's what God sees for us. He already sees the amazing that we are becoming and that we can continue to become. And there are so many ways today, as you're hearing God's love for one another and being a church family, I hope the Spirit is bringing in your mind some ways you can already live that out. But I want to focus on one today, just one. And it comes from what I learned watching Katie Evans parent their children. This is a photo I love from Easter this year. Mikey took the photo, so all the family together. Now, the things that I hear when I watch all of you who have learned trauma-competent care for others, I love watching how you interact with others, and I learn and grow from that. And when I hear Katie at the end of church, and, you know, we've all seen all the kids running around, playing with their Echo friends, running up and down the aisles, when it's time to go, I hear her say, hey, we stick together. We stick together. That's what she tells Brandon and Faye. We don't run off. We don't leave anybody behind. We stick together. And I think if there's a simple message that we can do as Echo Church and just keep it in our minds moving forward is we stick together. Whether we're celebrating or we're dealing with devastation, we stick together. When others rejoice, we want to hear the details of all that's making them celebrate. When others are living out their purpose, we show up. When they're, when they're performing or they've made art or they want to show us a project they've been working on. When they have hobbies and passions and say, you want to join me? We say yes, even when we're awkward with it. We stick together when others are hurting. When grief sticks around, because grief doesn't have a timeline, and it may be a year, it may be two years, it may be longer, and we still show up and stick together. When our friends say that their pain has turned to doubt, we don't leave. We say, I'm with you. Let's walk together. We stick together as God's family, and you know what happens when that, we do that? Then we're living out that light that John had already talked about. We're living out that righteousness. We're loving one another in this beautiful picture that John asked this church congregation to do. That's what we'll look like. And you know what? That sticking together, I hope, provides safety and security that we can all have courage to move forward. 
the leaders of ECHO, we have been thinking about this, praying about this for a while. And then the scripture came up. And we just talked this week about how do we as Echo Church continue to care for one another and live like family? So we are going to be presenting opportunities in the weeks and the months to come. And I hope you say yes. We're going to find some ways that we can pour into each other's lives and be vulnerable not only in the giving but also the asking. We want us to look at one another and say, this is what I really need. And be ready to step into that. So we want to keep growing in this next year as a family. And we're going we're to show you some ways to do that. And I hope you say yes. Let's stick together. Will you pray with me? God, you made us a family that we may never have expected. We may never have um, described a family this way. But here we are. You brought us together for a reason here, in this place, in this city. You brought us here in whatever levels of faith we have, whether it's small as a mustard seed or just totally on fire, ready to go out into the world. You brought us here so that we can strengthen one another, that we can care, that we can rejoice, that we can help support Lord, thank you for making us family and demonstrating it by being father, son, and spirit in a beautiful family. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for living on earth, showing us what it looks like to be human. We're not going to get it right, but we ask you, Lord, to help us each day to take another step. Try our best and lean on you and lean on one another. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.